if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks again for being with us on this Thursday, the 10th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks again to Corey Lewandowski, who joined us last hour. And we're going to be talking in about a half an hour with uh, Rob Weber. Rob Weber is a candidate for the Ohio 9th Congressional District seat held by Marcy Kaptur. She has held it for about 90 years, it seems like. Uh, Republican challengers have come and gone. It's a, it's a tough ask. Rob Weber has stepped up to that challenge, and uh, he's going to join us to talk about uh, some of the most important things that you need to know and uh, what you can do to help him uh, in this race uh, as the uh, Republicans try to take back the House on November 3rd. So uh, big stuff. Okay, uh, so that's coming up uh, at uh, 1035. I want to focus now. Look, I'm admitting something to you. I'm admitting to you that I'm giving this non-story way too much of my time. I really, truly believe it is you know, a non-story. This Bob Woodward story that the left is, is using as the latest you know, uh, cudgel uh, to do damage to the President of the United States, this is a non-story. President Trump said he knew in February. In fact, I'll let the audio play again. Listen, this is the exchange between Woodward and uh, President Trump talking about uh, the, uh, uh, the Chinese coronavirus. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob, but just today and, and yesterday some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So give me a moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of... Uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on like record that you went through a pivot on this to oh my god the gravity is uh almost inexplicable and unexplainable well i think bob really to be honest with you sure i want you to i wanted to uh I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Which is now exactly which is exactly what a responsible leader does. He played it down publicly while working feverishly behind the scenes on his coronavirus task force and the response. 
actions mean much, much more than words. And that's the part of the story that the left does not want you to believe. They want you to believe that Trump just played this down and tried to tell people it wasn't a big deal and that that got people killed. That got people infected and they died because of it because the president didn't tell them how serious it was back when he knew that it was serious in February. Which is why it's so important for us to listen to things like these liberal Democrats, both in office and in the media, and what they said also back in February. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yes. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. Liberal Democrats in office and in the media in January and February and March, we're telling people, don't stop shopping, going to parades, going to restaurants, living your lives. This is going to be like a common cold, maybe like the flu. This is what they were saying in real time. And now, in September, after having the summer of the great pandemic, now they want to look back and say, Donald Trump? Was, was, was too uh, uh, laid back in his, in his presentation of this to the people? Donald Trump didn't get people uh, scared the way he should have? Where were you? The, uh, as I said before the break, and it might be a little bit of a silly metaphor, but you know, the, the, the old adage or, uh, of the, you know, the beautiful, calm, serene duck on water. Absolutely portraying calm and beauty and peace on top. But underneath, nothing is getting done done unless it's paddling like hell. You couldn't see what the president and his team were doing underneath. You didn't know what they were doing. Actually, some of it you did because you know you heard them respond to it. Banning travel from China and from Europe was called uh, uh, was called xenophobic. Was called racist. But those were steps taken to try to keep people who may be infected with the Chinese-born coronavirus from getting to the United States by way of China or by way of Europe, because it had already spread to Europe at that time. And then there were the things, again, underneath. Dr. Anthony Fauci 
is to me the key to, to all of this. Dr. Fauci is the one that everybody says, listen to this scientist. He's the chief epidemiologist. He's the infectious disease expert of all experts. Now, I've criticized him because he's been all over the place in his response. But what he said in response to this, in terms of what the president did and and what actions he took to tr- to uh, prevent the coronavirus spread, to try to uh, provide treatment, to pr- uh, try to provide PPE for those to protect themselves from it, et cetera, et cetera, that was absolutely appropriate. And what he said to the public was no different than what they talked about in their closed-door meetings. Dr. Fauci, great to see you this afternoon. So let me, let me get your response to this. President Trump, according to Woodward, says uh, in, back in February that he knew how serious this was going to be, but all the way into March said he always wanted to play it down because he didn't want to create a panic. Uh, you were there through that whole thing. Was that the playbook, or was that the president just going his own direction you know i don't think so john i mean i don't i don't recall anything different than in our discussions that we had with the president that he said things quite similar publicly so i i know i i didn't read the book i didn't really go over Mm -hmm. any of the text since it just came out but you know when in my discussions and the discussions of other task force members with the president uh, we're talking about the reality of what was going on. And then when we would get up in front of the press conferences, which were very, very common after our discussions mm-hmm. with the president, he really didn't say anything different than we discussed when we were with him. He didn't say anything publicly than what we discussed privately when we were with him as the doctors who were in charge. And what we do know is that President Trump did indeed do exactly what he said he would do. And that is he followed the science when Dr. Burks recommended the shutting down of businesses for a period of time to flatten the curve. President Trump supported it and announced it. Now, he can't make governors do it, but he advised from the federal level and from the coronavirus task force that governors should indeed shut down businesses for a period of time to flatten the curve and make sure that our hospitals are not overrun by covid patients. And so the president did exactly what he was told to do by scientists, by the doctors. All he did, though, was portray calmness um, in uh, discussing this with the people. Like he said, he wanted to play it down because there was no sense in setting everybody's hair on fire. So Dr. Anthony Fauci, to me, is the key to all of this. He is the one who really puts a, you know, uh, the, you know, douses the flames here that uh, the media has, has said and that are trying to fan, trying to say that President Trump knowingly uh, uh, downplayed the threat and did nothing about it. He was doing everything about it behind the scenes. He just wasn't going to allow people to have their hair on fire uh, 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 in the public. All right, 216 TJ is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Hi, Bob. You know, Bob, if people want to see what real leadership is about, you know, a Mel Gibson movie a few years ago, We Were Soldiers, a true story of an Air Calvary battalion that was surrounded by a, a 10 to 1 superiority. And they show this Colonel Moore, and this is a true story. He kept his head. He never once showed up the face of despair or defeat, kept his, uh, uh, his cools, and he turned what should have been a automatic defeat into a stunning victory. This is what leadership is all about, and this is what Trump did. You know, you'd get somebody like Woodwork or Woodward or uh, Biden up there, and they'd be screaming, Ah, God, God we're all going to die. I mean, what kind of leadership is that? And you know what gets me? These Democrats buy into this bull that comes out of the media. 
And remember our Democratic government, uh, Governor uh, Strickland, that said we must become like the geese? Well, his Democrats have become like the geese. They'll swallow <laughs> everything this mainstream fake media feeds down their throat. That's why I won't even debate him anymore, because you'd have as much chance of debating uh, 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 an intelligent debate with a Democrat as you would with one of them geese in your backyard. Very interesting analogy, and I appreciate that, TJ. Thanks much. It's funny how we're sitting here we're doing the waterfowl thing. I'm talking about ducks. You're talking about geese. <laughs> but, but no, you're right, and that's a great analogy, too, uh, with the war analogy. Look, the president has to remain calm. The president has to. I, I, I played for you Jesse Waters earlier, and I may play it again, but Jesse Waters uh, yesterday on Fox uh, did a great job on The Five express expressing how different presidents uh, keep people calm in times of crisis. He talked about President Bush in the economic crisis. He kept people calm. He did not tell everybody uh, to make a run on the banks. Go get your money out now, but it's all going to collapse. Put the money under your mattresses. He kept people calm. He talked about FDR. Uh, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Don't freak out. Don't f- cave into the fear. Uh, he talked about the opposite when it comes to JFK and the uh, and the the nuclear showdown. He had kids hiding under their desks in schools preparing for the nuclear bomb, and people were freaked out, building useless uh, uh, bomb shelters. So there are different ways to handle it. The president chose the calm way. We are working to keep this thing at bay. And the American people need to know that, and that's all they need to know. They don't need to be freaked out that this thing is going to kill two and a half million people. All right, we'll get a quick time out here. Uh, fill them up, 216-901-0945. Right back. couple of notes for you at 1026. Tomorrow is, of course, the 19th anniversary of 9-11. And, the, and that blows me away, by the way. Wow. 19, we are almost two decades removed from, uh, from 9-11. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that. Because in my mind's eye, it is still as fresh as yesterday. Um, each year that I've been on the radio since 9-11, and it has been for all 19 of them. This is my 24th year in radio. Uh, I have done a special 9-11 commemorative show uh, that will continue tomorrow. Um, We will not have guests talking about the news of the day unless something crazy happens tonight. We're going to kind of focus just on 9-11. We're going to talk about where we are, uh, how far we've come, uh, how this world is different, and we're going to talk about whether or not Americans learned anything from it. We said we would never forget it, but here we are today, 19 years removed from obviously our darkest hour, but that was followed up by one of the greatest periods of unity uh, in our country's history. We all put aside politics and differences and battles And we joined hands in support of our country, our first responders, our police officers who died rushing into that tower to save lives, our firefighters who did the same. We were all united. 19 years later, look at us. We did forget. Maybe not all of us individually, but as a people, we did forget when we said we will never forget. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. It's going to be one of the things that I talk about tonight as well. If you um, are interested... 
The Avon Avon Lake Republican Club meeting is tonight, 7 p.m. at the Father Reagan Knights of Columbus Hall in Avon. Knights of Columbus Hall in Avon. People have been calling and asking where that's going to be. Uh, it's off of Route 611 in uh, uh, by BJ's at the Knights of Columbus Hall, 7 o'clock. Now, a reminder, this is for Republicans only. This is for uh, conservative Republicans only. In other words, this is not a debate forum. It will be a speech, not a debate. And I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of great people tonight. So that will be happening at 7 o'clock. And since I'm on this track, I also want to remind you of a couple of things that are going on. This is not to neglect the east side or anywhere else, by the way. This is just coincidental that the folks in Lorain County have reached out to me. And I happen to be a Lorain County resident. So I'm just going to share these. Uh, on Saturday, amidst many Trump events all over the state, uh, there are two that I wanted to point out, both of them in the same location in Amherst. From 8.30 to 10.30, there's a candidates and issues forum. Candidates for office in Lorain County will be there. Uh, an important lawsuit that has been filed against Mike DeWine in the state of Ohio as part of their response to the coronavirus, which has been heavy-handed and tyrannical. That will be discussed. So there's an opportunity to get involved in campaign in the campaign during the early voting period. So that's 8.30 tomorrow morning in Amherst at uh, 44905 North Ridge Road. And then after that, it's the Trump Train Road Rally, uh, which is coming up from 10.30 to noon at the same location. Family, friends, uh, bring your decorated car, truck, trailer, Trump flags, American flags, Trump signs, blue, thin blue line flags, and get ready for a huge Trump Train trek. It's going to be about 19 miles. I am told, take about 45 minutes. Vehicles are going to be arriving at the muster point, which is the former Penton's Farm Market. Again, 44905 North Ridge Road. Uh, and uh, the train will travel through parts of Amherst and Lorraine and Sheffield Township and Sheffield Village and in Elyria. It'll end in North Ridgeville, North Ridgeville near the uh, Lorraine Road and I-480 interchange. So let's make that train extraordinarily long. Let's get out there. Uh, that's a huge thing. That's so cool. Get get your truck and car and get your signs and get them ready to go and be a part of the Trump train as we continue to fight for the protection and the defense of this country. That will only happen if we reelect the president of the United States. So all of that is happening tomorrow. And I know there are Trump rallies and 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 uh, all kinds of other uh, you know uh, uh, Republican organizations and things that are happening. Uh, all over the state tomorrow. And if you've got them and you want me to announce them, you just got to let me know. The folks at uh, the folks in uh, Lorraine County, including uh, the Lorraine, uh, or excuse me, the, uh, t- yeah, the Lorraine County Tea Party, uh, they brought all of this stuff to me, totally engaged Americans of Lorraine County. They brought all of this stuff to me on behalf of Free Ohio Now and their Trump train campaign. So if you've got something you want to share, let me know, and I'll push people to your events as well. All right, 1030, news time now. Rob Weber wants to be the next congressman in Ohio's 9th Congressional District. He's going to have to unseat Marcy Kapta to do it. He'll join us to talk about it next. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1035, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. So much, uh, so much news to get into and to uh, discuss with respect to the national scene. But let's talk a little bit more local now, although this is kind of a combination because we are talking about a congressional seat. Uh, Rob Weber uh, is the Republican candidate, the latest to challenge Marcy Kaptur, who has been in 
Congress, I think since Congress was invented. Uh, she has been there for a very long time. I want to say 19 times or 20 times that she has been elected for District 9. A lot of challengers have come and gone. Rob Weber uh, is a very interesting guy, a guy that I think has a chance to do some serious damage in this race. And it's as much for uh, what he brings to the table as it does for uh, or as it, as it uh, is Marcy Captor's lack of accomplishments during 19 years. That would be, or 19 terms, that would be 38 years, by the way, if you're scoring at home, that she has been in Congress. And Rob Weber, the GOP candidate now, uh, joins us on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Rob. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. Thank you so much for having me, and good morning to all the listeners. Well, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you know, before we get into some of the details and some of the issues, uh, Rob, um, you realize what you're trying to do here, right? <laughs> this is something that a lot of people have tried and failed. I don't know why Marcy Captor has been so entrenched. I don't know why the Ninth District, which has been redrawn in a few different ways a few different times, has been so decidedly pro-Captor. But this is one of the toughest asks that anybody trying to get into Congress uh, will, will be making to, to uh, remove her. Um, you're aware of the challenge going in, right? Of course. Uh, Thirty-eight years is a is a lifetime, and, and I don't think any of our founding fathers envisioned someone sitting in the same congressional seat and same job for four decades of their life. Uh, so I, I am aware of the challenge, but I also thought in 2020 with President Trump's reelection, and, and as things have evolved this year, as everyone is living through, 2020 is a very strange year. That I thought this would be the year where the public would wake up and that there would be a, a change in the sentiment. And I think we are seeing that nationally as well as in Ohio. Rob, uh, so in other words, you are for term limits, by the way, from your first comment. Uh, that's not what the founders envisioned, so you uh, you think there should be term limits. And, and obviously it's a self-serving answer, but but the true answer is yes, of course. Uh, you know, Back in the day, dentists or doctors or small business owners would go to Congress and do however many years or maybe a decade, and then they came back home and, and you know, worked in their business again. And this idea of professional career politicians, and frankly, it's on both sides of the aisle, uh, is, is not what the Founding Fathers intended, and that dynamic creates a lot of the problems that almost everybody unanimously complains about with c- Congress. That is a very good point. Rob, for those who don't know much about you, a little mini-bio. Uh, tell us, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I can give some people the basics. You were in the United States Army. You went to West Point, uh, graduated from West Point in 1995. Tell, what, what do people need to know about you? Well, it's, I'm a lifelong Northern Ohio resident, uh, other than my uh, military service. And then when I was in law school down in Columbus. So I'm, I'm, I'm from this area and, and again, lifelong. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I had the opportunity to attend and graduate from West Point. And then, more importantly, the, the pathway to leading soldiers uh, in the Army, taking care of my soldiers and serving my country, which is really the, the basis for why I'm trying to run for office now, is that idea of uh, West Point doesn't just develop officers for the Army, but develops leaders of character for a lifetime of service to nation. Uh, but also the part is, is, in one form or another, my whole life, whether it be, again, serving my country and taking care of my soldiers or the kind of lawyer that I became, a trial lawyer helping uh, individual people in northern Ohio, uh, regular folks like you and me I'm very proud of. My life's been dedicated to serving others in one form or another, 
And uh, I think that's part of why uh, it prepares me well to go on to uh, congressional leadership is, again, taking care of people in, in, the, in the ninth District and taking care of people of Ohio. Rob Weber is my guest. He just gave you a little bit of a, a sketch uh, uh, of his career and uh, and his service, his history of service. By the way, the law degree from the Ohio State University doesn't hurt you either. Uh, I wanted to make sure to get out there as well. Um, when I think of Marcy Captor, Rob Weber, uh, you know, I, I think of more of what she has not done and things that she has not said than things that she has actually accomplished for the people of her district. And one of the things, uh, the, the USMCA, we all know that NAFTA was an absolute disaster. President Trump is the one who killed NAFTA, and the president is the one who was the spearhead behind the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, uh, which Marcy Kaptur opposed. Uh, which is which is mind blowing to me because we do need and we did need to rework the trade imbalance in this country on this continent, uh, and she opposed that. Your thoughts? Well, it's very interesting because that is an agreement, as you correctly stated, that replaced uh, uh, replaced NAFTA. President Trump spearheaded it, and frankly, it was largely a, a bipartisan uh, support, including Speaker Pelosi herself supported it. I use the phrase uh, 90% of Democrats plus supported it. 99% literally of union, hardworking union men and women and other uh, manufacturing and hardworking blue-collar-based men and women supported it. And Marcy Kaptur was one of only 40 congressmen out of 435 uh, that voted no. Uh, That was from the AOC uh, socialist wing of the Democrat Party, and Kaptur fell under that. Uh, calling, if you will, fell under that leadership. And they are part of the block that voted no on it. And I just feel like it really shows, uh, you know, that that agreement will bring good, high-quality jobs back to the, to America, back to northern Ohio. The ninth District along Ohio's north coast is obviously a very manufacturing, hardworking, union-based area. And that was really a betrayal of that support that she had. Can she you... Has. Can you tell me about your relationship with the unions? Uh, what I would say is this. Um, I believe a congressman's duty, other than issues of national security, is to their district. And I believe that crosses party lines. I believe that you know, it's all walks of life and uh, everything. And so in that regard, the ninth District is a very heavily union-based district. And therefore, I believe that it's a congressman's duty in that district to be supportive of that because that's that's what the district is made of. So I would use this phrase. I consider myself a pro-union Republican uh, on most issues uh, in general, and I would be supportive of that, uh, and I'd be very favorable, and I believe I have those genuine thoughts and feelings and beliefs, but also I believe it's the duty because that is what the ninth District is composed of. So that you know, makes me a little... Go ahead. No, no, please. I'm sorry. I thought you were pausing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just was going to say it makes me a little different than typical Republicans. Uh, But again, I believe that that's driven by that's what the Ninth District demands and needs. And so I feel that, you know, that's the way that uh, the policies of your congressman should be.
Yeah, and, and you know what? I have no problem with that because I am not anti-union on its face. Uh, I have a problem with some of what unions have done. Uh, I, I don't think they necessarily have had the best interest uh, in mind of, uh, of of the people, of the of the workers, of the membership. I think a lot of the corruption that we have seen is a problem. But there's nothing wrong with supporting good, strong unions who are just taking care of people. Uh, but but you know when you look at the strong manufacturing. Uh, base that is, you know, the ninth district, as you correctly point out, you cannot have the, you know, particularly, you, you know, you look at, uh, you look at Lucas County and you look at, uh, you know, the Toledo area, which is part of this, a big part of this. It's kind of Marcy Captors home base. That's where the Jeep plant is. So you got Chrysler up there. None of these jobs are going to be there if we do not co- uh, restore our commitment uh, to energy and the policies that have made us energy independent for the first time, where we are a net exporter of energy. Marcy Kaptur and the rest of her uh, colleagues, uh, Democrat colleagues that control the House right now, they want to make all of that go away. Uh, they want to embrace Green New Deal technology. They want to get rid of fossil fuels. They want to get rid of essentially the internal combustion engine. It would kill manufacturing in places like uh, well, all across the Ninth District, quite frankly. Um, how do you uh, how do you respond to her? Um, stance, I guess, if you will, on energy and energy independence in this country? Well, obviously, just under President Trump, the first time we've been a positive net on, on energy uh, import and export. So we're finally, you know, uh, producing more than, than, than we have to bring in, which is great. Uh, it's essential to any country's livelihood to be that. Uh, in, the, in America, as well as Ohio, oil and gas is a vital uh, uh, economic factor, obviously nuclear power, and in the ninth district, uh, there's um, the Davis Bessey uh, power plant that employs over 4,000 people, as well as nuclear is cleanest, most reliable, and most uh, energy efficient economic sense uh, source that there is. I and Marcy Captor, Marcy Captor doesn't like any of those things, does she? She wants windmills. She she won't she won't even say the word nuclear. Doesn't support it. Um, and you're right. Right now, there's a big issue that's sort of brewing, and it's, it's been out there for over a decade, but it's coming to a head now. She, uh, there's a big push to put windmills literally on or in Lake Erie. Uh, that would just, it's kind of ironic because it, you know, it's windmills, wind energy falls under that Green New Deal kind of concept. But interestingly, putting it on Lake Erie is an environmental disaster. And that's another one. I'm an environmental engineer. I'm a lifelong outdoorsman and sportsman. I support and pro-environmental. And these windmills are just a disaster. Uh, you start with just the sound pollution that they create. They're a major issue from the migratory uh, bird uh, that particularly from Port Clinton, just west of there, is one of the most North America's major migratory bird throughways. Then you get into issues of sort of we call the aesthetic issues of them, the site pollution as well as what they may do to the fishery and then the boat traffic. Uh, and you get into the fundamental issue itself. Windmills, uh, wind energy is basically at best a net zero. Usually they're, they're a negative when it comes to the cost of money that it takes to build and operate versus the amount of money and energy they produce. So it's just a disaster all the way around. And so she favors that. So it's kind of ironic. The, the Green New Deal is meant to be good for the environment, and yet <laughs> on this one it's a disaster, but she supports it. And and also the whole AOC left wing of the Democrat Party supports it as well. 
Yeah, no question about it. And uh, yeah, I, you call it ironic. I might call it hypocritical, to be honest with you. Um, Rob, last thing, um, especially since you just mentioned AOC, and I brought it up, brought her up before, uh, and uh, you know the real far left wing of which Nancy. You know, it's weird. Uh, AOC is a freshman, and and uh, Marcy Captor is is you know that thirty eight years in, but they're very much like minded on. Um, law and order or the lack of law and order in this country. I have not heard uh, Marcy Kaptur express concern for law enforcement being killed, for uh, police officers being targeted, for police officers being forced to resign, for the calls for defunding police, uh, uh, you know, opposing that. I haven't heard Marcy Kaptur do anything that's very much different than what the, uh, you know, the new blood, if you will, of the Democrat Party in Congress is doing. The squad, or the squids, if you will, she seems to be on board with all of the above. How do you differ from her as it pertains to what is rocking this country and has for well over 100 consecutive nights now, the violence, uh, the anti-police rhetoric going on in this country? Well, I'm as pro and supportive of our law enforcement as it gets. Uh, that's a fundamental aspect of, that makes the United States so great, uh, our law enforcement system. Um, the system itself isn't broken. Uh, is there improvements that could be made? Is there better training? Of course. I think it just starts with the, the fundamental values of the way that myself and most Americans were raised to respect uh, um, the blue and, and, and officers in uniform. And then with my military experience of uh, you know supporting a fellow uniformed officer's but I never thought that this would ever become an, a political issue of supporting law enforcement. But clearly this year it has. I find it almost amazing and outrageous. What, what I will just say is I'm very proud that I uh, recently received uh, the Toledo Police Command's uh, endorsement at the congressional level, the first time in literally uh, modern history that they've endorsed the Republican candidate. And, again, I support our law enforcement and all of our first responders to the utmost. And, obviously, again, better training, more resources, obviously needed. Our law enforcement deals with all sorts of issues, not just putting bad guys away, if you will, but mental health issues, addiction issues. So they're not just law enforcement. They're social workers. They're counselors. But... uh they need all the support they can get, and I think they see where that support's going to come from with not just myself, but other Republican candidates that are squarely behind them. Well, very few people understand security and law and order uh, the way veterans do. Uh, and I, to me, I don't think we can have enough people who have served this country in the United States Congress, uh, because you do understand the importance of that, especially when you do it from a position of leadership, as you did at West Point, uh, and then, of course, serving uh, in uh, in the United States Army as well. So, uh, Rob Weber, I really appreciate you coming on to introduce yourself to those who don't know you, those who do know you, obviously like you. How can people support your campaign, Rob? Sure. The, for more information, Rob Weber for Congress.com, as well as you can follow on Facebook, which has the same uh, address, Rob Weber for Congress. And any at, at the website, they can contribute and follow. There's many events throughout the district that are coming up that we publicize. And I'm just grateful for all the support and trying to really go to Washington and, and do the right thing and take care of the district and uh, do it in the right way.
Yeah, and it's not just the district, too. I want people to understand that. People need to know that we just need to retake the majority in the, in the United States House. We cannot have, you know, another two years of Nancy Pelosi House-led leadership, which is disastrous, and Marcy Kaptur marches in lockstep with her. So this is so extraordinarily important to get rid of as many blue, uh, uh, you know, and liberal politicians as possible in the United States Congress, replace them with conservative leaders uh, that are upcoming like Rob Weber. Uh, and he needs money. To get that message out there. All right. Bottom line is uh, uh, Marcy Kaptur is a cottage institution in Democrat politics. She's got a big war chest. Rob needs to get his message of duty, respect, and selfless service out there. So please, if you can, donate to Rob's campaign at Rob Weber for Congress. By the way, it's 1B. Rob Weber with 1B. Rob Weber for Congress.com. Rob, thanks for, so much for coming on. Best of luck in the campaign. Let's talk again soon. Have a great day, Bob. Thank you. Thank, thank you. You too. 1052, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Okay, final segment here. Uh, a reminder, Rob Weber for Congress. He needs money. Look, Marcy Kaptur is a very, very tall mountain to climb. Again, 38 years in Congress, but it's not insurmountable. He's got a message, and he's got the right leadership qualities, but he's got to get them out to people. Donate if you can. Rob Weber with 1B for Congress. Michael is in Beechwood. You're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead, Michael. Michael, can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear it. Go ahead. Um, yes, uh, just wanted to bring up the important topic of voter registration. Uh, Voter registration ends October 5th. Uh, Found out that a whole lot of uh, Eastern Europeans on the west side of Cuyahoga County aren't registered to vote, and they're certainly right of center conservative voters. So hopefully some people in the audience know some people that go to certain Eastern Orthodox and Catholic churches with a lot of Eastern Europeans. Perhaps some people can set up uh, voter registration efforts and get some more registrations. You know, it is it is all going to be about turnout. You're a thousand percent right. It's about turnout. Now, I was not aware of this. These, you know, these uh, Orthodox and Eastern European American citizens, etc. I did not know this, but the message needs to get out, Michael. And thank you for the phone call to Cuyahoga County Republican Party. You've got to get this out to the leadership there and tell them. And hopefully, they know. And they're working on this right now to get out voter registration drives in those areas and in those communities, as you say, especially if they are right of center. Look. This battle is going to be won based on turnout. That's the bottom line. Who's going to get the most enthusiasm for their candidate and get them out? And that's, uh, that's extraordinarily important. Do not let any conservative-minded or right-of-center votes go to waste here. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, Fairview Park. Mark, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, Bob. I just want to mention that uh, I, I think up to the time of the election, you haven't seen anything yet. Now, after this uh, latest little problem, now we got this Cohen, this goofball coming up. And I think it's going to be one thing after another. But you mentioned the other day that if Trump wins, these radicals, you know, keep your powder dry, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you only covered one half of it. If these Dems win, I think all these radicals, et cetera, are going to think that they have a blank check to do just what they want to do and continue doing what they want to do. Care to comment? 
Well, I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to comment on that in some depth tonight. Thanks for the call, my friend, because you're right. The Democrats are going to think that they or the radicals are going to think that they have a mandate to to impl- uh, implement these radical ideas. Um, you know, especially the type that we were talking about with Rob Weber that are put forth by the new blood, if you will, in the Democrat Party, the radical socialist wing of the party. The Sanders and AOC, et cetera, et cetera. Not that he's new blood, but he's got a lot of young followers like AOC, um, you know, uh, following his his lead. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about that in some depth tonight. The danger of a Democrat victory, the danger of a radical victory on November 3rd. It'll be part of my speech tonight at the Avon Avon Lake Republican Club meeting. If you would like to attend, it's for Republicans only at the Knights of Columbus Hall on Moore Road in Avon. The Knights of Columbus Hall, 7 p.m. We'll see you then and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence.